Today on Cooking with Jerry, we make delicious pizza subs. First thing you'll need, sub buns, pizza sauce, pepperonis, a whole big bag full of them, mozzarella cheese, yum. All right, I use about eight slices of pepperoni on each one of these subs. And I lay them out in force like that because let's face it, presentation is everything. Fold your mozzarella in half. I usually rip it in half and, uh, you know, lay it down nicely. Look at that. That is some delicate cheese line. Pour on a small amount of pizza sauce because if you use too much, it's going to pour out the sides. You're going to make a mess on your Foreman grill and you're going to have a, uh, more cleanup. And that, that's something we're trying to avoid. Um, the less cleanup, the better. Repeat this process for your other sandwich. All right. Now, while you're putting those sandwiches together, you want to have your foreman grill plugged in, heating up, so you're ready to go after that construction process. Now, I usually leave mine in there for about four or five minutes. It's really something that you just check on and see how it's doing. Once that mozzarella is nice and melty, you're in business. Look at that. Look at those uh, ridges. And see, that compacts the sandwich down. It's a nice, crisp bread. You could throw those sandwiches in the microwave, but come on. Yuck. Seriously. You want to bust out the George Foreman for this one. Heat up and pour out a little bit of pizza sauce for dipping, and you're good to go. Released in North America on August 23rd, 1991, the Super Nintendo is number five on the top ten console countdown. Now, when this was released in Japan, it was released on a Wednesday, and that so effectively shut down the country that the government of Japan asked that console manufacturers start releasing things on weekends so that they don't bring the country to a screeching halt, which I find to be interesting and amusing. Um, this system finds its way on a lot of top ten lists, and generally in the top five, usually taking the number one or two spot. And uh, the number one reason for that is the software. This game system has a huge library of classics, too many to mention specifically brought out The Lost Vikings, because that happens to be my all-time favorite uh, game of all time. Up there with Metal Gear Solid 2. Those are my two favorite games of all time, and they're uh, neck and neck. But there's not too many hardware features or special bells and whistles. This is just pure and simple uh, video gaming. You know, there's no multimedia features. There's 
It's just, if you like playing kick-ass video games, then this is a console you should look into owning. Now, in the past ten, five to ten years, uh, since people have been really getting into the whole retro scene, I know there's always been retro gamers, but since it's really becoming something that even younger kids are getting into, and looking into systems that were out before they, before their time, before they were born and stuff like that, uh, Super Nintendos and regular Nintendos have been getting really expensive. So, a lot of people do go the third-party route and get uh, one of those clone systems. You know, there's the kind that'll play Nintendo Genesis Super Nintendo, and that's fine. I happen to be a purist, so I like to have the original hardware. Um, over here on the right, you can see that's the original Super Nintendo, and over here on the left is the re-released uh, slim version. Some people call it the SNES Jr. Um, I'm not one of those people that says SNES. Like, whenever I hear someone say that in a video or something, it's always a little off-putting, I would say Super Nintendo. Now, if I'm typing, I might abbreviate it as SNES, but in actual speech, I would always say Super Nintendo, so it's always a little weird when I hear someone uh, throw out the word SNES. Um, this is the controller, and this is a huge step up from the regular NES controller, and uh, I remember as a child thinking this was the hugest innovation. Now keep in mind, I was just a young child, but look at that. I love it. Um, it's such a natural place for there to be some buttons. This is a very comfortable controller overall. This button layout uh, is still in use today. If you look at a DualShock or a 360 controller, they all have the same diamond-style layout for the buttons. And the Dreamcast, every version of the PlayStation controller, uh, has a layout similar to this. And I just really like these shoulder buttons. Now, the D-pad is okay for almost every type of game except fighting games. Where you have Street Fighter games where, you know, for the show where you can forward, down forward, you know. It, it was always hard for me to pull off those moves as a kid. And using the uh, six-button Genesis controller, I had a much easier time with that. Uh, one of my favorite peripherals, the Super Game Boy. You take this bad boy, you plop in a Game Boy game, stick it in your Super Nintendo, and you're playing Game Boy games on TV with the Super Nintendo controller, which is very close to the original Game Boy's uh, controllers. I mean, it's very, very spot on. It's not a big leap. Oh, jeez. Um... This back here is a Super Famicom game. This is one of the Japanese games. This is what they look like. It's a little bit smaller. Not much. But uh, the form factor is a little different. And the big difference is these, these slots right here on the Super Nintendo cartridge. They don't exist. And that was a means of region blocking. So quite simply, to remove the region locking from the Super Nintendo, all you had to do is remove the two pins that fit into this, and all of a sudden, your Super Famicom part will fit in a Super Nintendo. 
And that's one of the easiest ways to sidestep region locking, which I believe region locking to be uh, a form of evil. I don't see how selling games to a different region can possibly hurt anyone. But, uh, that's me. And I'm not a millionaire, so what do I know? Uh, looking at some of the great uh, software on this system, you know, you've got all the first-party Nintendo games. Uh, Donkey Kong Countries 1 through 3, Super Metroid, Legend of Zelda, uh, Link to the Past, uh, Super Mario World 1 and 2, just all these amazing series. Uh, Super Mario Kart got its start on this system. There's just so many countless masterpieces. Like, Super Mario RPG is such a easy uh, Japanese-style role-playing game to get into where it's not uh, cumbersome. It's just a very fun, easy-to-jump-into game. And there's just so much that this system has to offer that uh, you really need to own it. Now, this game here, Mario & Wario, is compatible with the Super Nintendo Mouse, which is one of the few peripherals that I do have. And uh, you control a little fairy, like the cursor is a fairy and you manipulate the uh, the uh, playfield, you manipulate the uh, level itself, and you try to guide Mario, who has a bucket on his head, to the end of the level, where Luigi is waiting lovingly, I suppose. Now, the games came in these uh, flimsy cardboard boxes. This is the only one I have, and that's because all of the old game packaging from when I was a child growing up, I threw away. I never thought to save that kind of thing. And uh, I got this at a thrift store, you know, a year or two ago. So that's the only example that I have of Nintendo packaging, besides Robocop vs. Terminator back there, which, uh, this came in a hard plastic uh, case, at least half of it is, the back's cardboard, and, uh, so I can see why someone held on to this. So, definitely the, the best thing I can say is the, uh, software. The graphics, top-notch. Neck and neck with the Genesis, but I'd give a very slight edge to the Super Nintendo, which did come out two years later, so there's obviously the potential for, you know, slightly more advanced technology under the hood. The sound, I would say, definitely blows the Genesis out of the water. Uh, there's just a warmth and richness to the audio that comes out of a Super Nintendo that is unmatched by its contemporary uh, counterparts. So, definitely, there's a lot to be said for the Super Nintendo, but mostly it boils down to the strong software and the multitude of amazing games that uh, you can throw at this system. So, that is number five. Uh, the top ten list is getting real. We're in the final five. Uh, there's probably going to be some upsets and uh, angry comments coming up as uh, things get real in the top ten console countdown. Knights of the Round is a Capcom classic side-scrolling beat-em-up. You control Lancelot, Arthur, or Percival as you walk to the right, destroying 
everyone in your way, keeping you from unifying England. So upon successful completion of the game, you become King Arthur and have united the British Isles or whatever the heck. Um, I loved this game as a child. It was one of my favorite side-scrolling beat-em-ups because I liked knights and medieval things. And there are a lot of those in this game. You'll also notice that this music is stunning. This is some brilliant Super Nintendo music. I mean, I'm getting pumped up looking at uh, Arthur there destroy those peasants and knights and whatnot. Um, the graphics in this game are also very, very gorgeous. This is a fun looking game to look at, to hear, and to play. The controls are spot on. Uh, during this time, Capcom cranked out nothing but classics. Like, this is when they were really on the top of their game. One of the things that I always liked when I used to play this game as a child was that if you're playing two-player and there's some treasure or uh, food, you know, health items, you could cut them in half with your sword and share them with the second player. Now, the treasure comes in handy for leveling up. It's basically experience points. So as you collect treasure and defeat enemies, your character levels up. And you'll see that uh, he will have upgraded armor and weapons. So it'll enhance his defense and attack ratings, which is very cool. Now, something I didn't know about when I was a kid, and you don't really see it too much in this video, I try to use the blocking mechanic. And when you successfully block an opponent's attack, you'll have a second or two of invulnerability, which gives you the perfect opportunity to attack. So it adds a layer of depth to the gameplay that you don't really see in a lot of other side-scrolling action games. Something that is greatly appreciated, actually. I really uh, enjoy that, the blocking thing. So I'm kind of glad I finally discovered that after all these years. Now this is the original Super Nintendo version which itself is a port of an arcade game, but I grew up with the Super Nintendo version, and that's the version I love. Um, you can also get this game on Capcom Classics Collection Reloaded for the PlayStation Portable, and that's the le less expensive way to obtain this game. Uh, you can probably get that for somewhere between 5 and $10, which, you know, is what I did about a year or two ago on Amazon. Or you can spend a little bit more, about 15 to 20 bucks, and buy a Super Nintendo cartridge. So it's up to you. Um, honestly, I'd recommend getting the PSP game because it comes with a lot of other uh, Capcom classic games. But, this is the one, you know, I'm nostalgic for. And I looked on Amazon earlier tonight just to uh, price it, and the cheapest one was 25 bucks. so... But, it's a really good game, and it's honestly worth it, and I'm glad I have it in my collection. When your character dies, and you use a continue, that's when you can change characters. So, after you go to the little uh, map, you know, the map screen, and you go back into the game, you have to select your character. And that's something that, you know, I figured out the hard way, because sometimes... I'll be tapping the button like, come on, let's get back into the action, and I'll accidentally select one of the other characters. I prefer Arthur, who's you see throughout most of the video. You saw a little bit of Lancelot back there, 
and he's the fast character but has the weakest defense. Arthur's the more well-rounded character and I just happen to do a lot better with Arthur. And Percival is the big hulking tank that uses a battle axe. And we'll see him in just a second. Let's take a look at that. So, you know, there's different players that are, uh, you know, skilled in different areas. I do better with the well-rounded characters in general. Some people may do better with Percival. All in all, this is an amazing game. If you like side-scrolling beat-em-ups or knights, pick it up. It's a must-own. Definitely give this game a Mondo Cool. Donkey Kong Country is a classic. This is one of the best platforming games available on the Super Nintendo, hands down. This spawned a rather successful series of platformers on the Super Nintendo, but none of them were ever quite as... I don't know, there's just something magical about this game that Donkey Kong Country's 2 and 3 didn't capture. For me personally, it was the lack of Donkey Kong being in those games that uh, ruined it for me. In Donkey Kong Country 2, you are primarily playing as Diddy Kong and Dixie Kong, a newcomer to the Donkey Kong family. And then in Donkey Kong Country 3, they again put the sidekick Dixie Kong in the main role and introduce another Kong, which I forget what it was, but it's a big baby in a onesie. And uh, it was kind of a big hulking gorilla like Donkey Kong, but I played Donkey Kong for Donkey Kong. Um, I remember saving up and buying this game. Nintendo Power, or just Nintendo of America, back in the mid-90s, would send out VHS tapes to promote uh, upcoming video game releases. That's also how I found out about Pokemon. I still have those tapes. And after watching this video like hundreds of times, I remember that I got it on a day that I stayed home sick from school. So I got this in the mail and I just watched it like two or three times and uh, got super hyped about Donkey Kong Country. Look at these beautiful visuals. Now some purists will complain about how they uh, used 3D models but then digitized them and made sprites out of the 3D models and you know think of that as cheating but who cares look at the end results these games look gorgeous and uh, of course there was some extra horsepower under the uh, hood of the cartridge you know there's some extra hardware under there to help get this uh, beautiful looking game to work but seriously this game has aged very very well uh, Donkey Kong 64 don't care for it at all. Those bad 3D graphics looks like garbage and have aged super poorly. And you go back a couple of years and you look at Donkey Kong Country and how well it's aged, it's a shame. Um, 
this is a platforming game. The story goes that King K. Rool and the Kremlings have stolen Donkey Kong's banana horde, and he is none too pleased about this. So you have to navigate yourself on the other, to the other side of uh, Donkey Kong's Island and do battle with King K. Rool. And along the way, your primary objective is to gather bananas. And of course, there are many uh, bonus stages like this one here. You collect three of the animal medallions of the same animal, and you run around and try to capture as many uh, little tokens as you can, and you rack up extra lives. And there's, there's a whole multitude of uh, bonus levels, but this is one of the ones I like. And uh, I really don't know why. But the other standout feature of this game is the music. Every track on this game is just awesome. It's some of the best video game music I've ever heard, hands down. On top of having stunning visuals that have definitely passed the test of time and amazing music, there's just an intense variety of levels. You know, there's different areas of the island. There's the industrial area, the minecart levels, the jungle, the underwater. It's just a very, very good game, and it's a clear example of Nintendo perfection. You navigate the world with that uh, overworld map, similar to, you know, Mario World. All in all, this game gets a very enthusiastic Mondo pull. It's one of those classic games that everyone needs to play. Ninja Gaiden Trilogy for the Super Nintendo came out in 1995, and as the name implies, it collects the three Ninja Gaiden games from the regular Nintendo. And there are some slight improvements. For example, the cutscenes have been prettied up a little bit. But other than that, there's not too much along the lines of improvements. Some of the script, uh, the cutscenes have had their script updated. And, unfortunately, with them brought new typos and hilarity. The music, as you can already hear, has been uh, changed, and not, in my opinion, not necessarily for the best. Uh, I, I prefer the original music quite a bit, actually. Now, some of the parallax scrolling from some of the levels has also been removed. So that's not good either. But the interesting thing about this game is that it's really, really rare. I happened to get this for $5 at a used game store. And this was years before I knew that it was rare. And back then, they... Uh, it was just a junk store before they switched over to selling just video games. So the pricing format they had was Nintendo games, $3. Super Nintendo games, $5. Uh, I don't recall what Master System prices were, but Sega Genesis games were also $5. And etc. They all had flat rates. And that was really the last time that... Uh, you could go out and find amazing deals like that from a regular brick-and-mortar store. Now everybody uh, prices everything by eBay and, uh, you know, 
kind of sucks. But, this was picked up because I had trouble finding Ninja Gaiden 3. So, I saw this and said, hey, I'll just get this instead of, uh, instead of trying to hunt down Ninja Gaiden 3, the Ship of Doom. And, yeah, that kind of worked out. Um, Ninja Gaiden 3, the difficulty was changed back to the difficulty of the original Japanese version, so it's a little bit easier, and you're given infinite continues. The control is okay, but I had a hard time getting used to it. The action button and uh, the attack button are flip-flopped. And, you know, eventually I got used to it, but when I first picked it up, it's just counterintuitive. You know, I've been playing Ninja Gaiden for so many years, I expect it to control one way. And I've criticized people for making similar complaints with games like uh, Mega Man Anniversary Collection, like, how can you not adapt? And I did adapt. It took about five minutes for me to get used to it. And I'm sure when I go back to playing the Nintendo versions, I will be just as, uh, you know, put off that I have to adapt back. So that was annoying that the controls were flip-flopped. And there's no option to... Uh, switch them. That would have been nice. The other big improvement that this game adds is the ability to use passwords. So, you know, if I want to attempt to beat Ninja Gaiden, but I don't feel like starting from scratch, I can go back to the last level that uh, I've ever made it to, which, you know, would be helpful. Now, the music in this game is still good, but... I prefer the original songs that I'm used to, and that's just kind of the way I am where, you know, I like the original thing first. Um, yeah, so this probably wouldn't have been the greatest game to pick up in 1995, and that's probably, you know, may have been a factor in why it's rare now. Maybe a lot of people passed on it. I'm not, I'm not sure why it's rare. But I looked up on Amazon before making this review, and the cheapest cart-only uh, copy of this game was $99. Now, if you don't want to pick up Ninja Gaiden Trilogy for the Super Nintendo, and, you know, unless you get lucky and happen to see it, you're probably not going to. Um, the Xbox version of, I believe, Ninja Gaiden Black... Um, no, I believe it's just uh, Ninja Gaiden for Xbox. Has an unlockable uh, copy of this game. Ninja Gaiden Black does not. So, if you would also like to get this, your best bet would be to pick up the original Xbox version of uh, Ninja Gaiden, which has, you know, the main game, Ninja Gaiden, plus this uh, trilogy. I, I give the game a Mondo Cool because at the end of the day, it's still Ninja Gaiden. But, uh, purists will not enjoy it. The thing that turns me off the most is the controls being flip-flopped and not being able to change it back. So definitely a Mondo Cool game, and something to hold on to because of its extreme collectability. You love free stuff? Of course you do. Who doesn't? Well, if you go to Mondo Coolcast right now and join the mailing list, not only will you be kept up to date on every new post on the website, you'll also be entered to win this totally awesome, amazing, 
Bowser desk figure, which is a really cool figure. I have one myself in my personal collection, and I'm excited to be giving away one to you guys for free. But not only will you uh, be eligible to win this, you'll be eligible to win other prizes. As I go on trips for Mondo Cool TV and go to different used game stores and conventions, I'll be picking up little knickknacks that I'll be uh, giving away to members of the mailing list. You'll also have early access to segments on Mondo Cool TV before anyone else.